The Holy Gospel appointed to be read on this, the first Sunday in Lent, is recorded for us in the Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 4, and I invite you to rise at the life of our Lord Jesus. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city. He placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not test the Lord your God. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, I will give you all of these things if you will bow down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and just then angels came and served him. This is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what does it really mean to sin against God? I think we often think about sinning as breaking the rules. And that's true. Obviously, to sin is to break God's rules, to break his Ten Commandments. But of course, there's more to it than that, isn't there? To sin against God is to personally offend him, to wrong him, to say that you don't think that he, the all-powerful, almighty creator of the universe, doesn't know better than you, and that he doesn't have your interests at heart, and to think that you know better. To sin against God is to literally break the created order of the universe then, to cause a rift between God and those around you, and to merit punishment. When God created the first human beings, Adam and Eve, he created our first parents to live in this beautiful paradise garden, and he wanted them to love him in return. They would eat from the tree of life freely and would live forever with him there. That was how it was supposed to be. Alas, we hear in our first lesson this morning how our first parents chose to listen to the tempting voice of the devil and to sin. It seemed like such a trivial thing. How could eating a piece of fruit be all that big of a deal? A small rule, and yet God's rule, and a lesson. A lesson in trust. What Adam and Eve saw as a small thing, God knew was a big thing. And therefore, he told them, no. And he lovingly warned them, in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. But the devil lied to Adam and Eve and told them that God did not have their best interests at heart, and then he convinced them to sin. Adam and Eve told 
Um, Adam and Eve chose then to break their relationship with God. They violated God's trust. They broke his divine law. All they had to do was not eat from one tree. But the thrill of what they might miss out on, the lure of taking what did not belong to them, overcame them. They did not love and trust their creator like they should have. And so they were driven out of the paradise garden, east of Eden, into the wilderness. So now the scene is set, if you will. Adam and Eve and you and I, their human descendants, are helplessly lost in an imperfect, sinful, spiritual wilderness of this world. We live in a broken reality, which we ourselves have broken. Our sins have separated us from the holy, perfect God. In this sinful world, the devil does all he can to drown us in a sinking sand of sin. He does all he can to use our sin and guilt against us by holding our sins over our head. He's like a credit card that offers you an endless spending spree of all that you want only to turn around and hand you a bill that you can never pay. The devil loves nothing more than to make people confident in themselves. He puffs them up just so he can break them down and throw all their sins in their face at the worst possible moment, often at the hour of death. He does all he can to keep us separated from our loving God because he knows that God is the only one who can help us. The devil, then, is the real enemy that we all face. He will do all he can to try and destroy us. He tempts us in this wilderness of sin. But then, who walks onto the scene? None other than God's Son in human flesh, God who became our brother for us, the son of the Virgin Mary, the one promised to Eve, the offspring, the seed of the woman who would crush the devil, the serpent's head. Here he comes, her perfect sinless son, Jesus. He walks into the desert of dead bones and says to the devil, bring it on. The devil is intrigued. Jesus meditates faithfully on God's word. He prays. He fasts. That is, he hardly eats anything for 40 days. Well, Adam and Eve were tempted in the perfect paradise garden. Look how Jesus is tempted in the scorching desert of our sins, in the haunts where cobras and jackals lie. The devil waits until Jesus is nearly starving then and says to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Note the venomous doubt that he spits at Jesus. If you are the Son of God, you know, if you're really God's Son, Jesus, like you claim to be, well, then prove it. Make some bread for yourself. Surely you have that power, right? As with all of the devil's lies, they have a hint of the truth in them. They are the truth corrupted and twisted so that it's no longer the truth. For it is true that as God's Son, Jesus certainly could have whipped up some wonder bread for himself. And it's also true that as a human being, Jesus needs to eat. But if Jesus were to use his divine powers here in this situation, then he couldn't be a perfect human being for us in our place. You see, Jesus needed to be like you and me in every way except without sin, perfect, 
so that he could forgive us our sins. Jesus needed to experience hunger so that he could empathize with those who are poor and hungry. So Jesus can't make miracle bread out of stones because that's not within the natural powers of a regular human being to do so. No, instead, as a man, Jesus must trust perfectly that God will provide him with his daily bread. He must look up to heaven and say, Father, help me, please, send bread down from heaven to me, but if not, your will be done, Father. I commend everything to you, for you know best. Note how Adam and Eve and their disobedience couldn't even keep their hands off one lousy piece of fruit, and they weren't even hungry. But here, Jesus, who is starving, foregoes bread for our sake so that he can be for us the bread of life, the one who satisfies all our needs. See how Jesus undoes Adam and Eve's sin by perfectly trusting God to provide for him like we should. Jesus then, because he has done this, can forgive us and does forgive us for our sins of impatience, greed, theft, worry, and mistrust. The devil lost round one, but of course he strikes back. Next, he takes Jesus to the top of the temple and says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they'll bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Here the devil ups his game. He starts quoting the Bible. And it's, and, but he, of course, takes God's word out of context and misuses and twists God's word to suit his own purpose. And this is what heretics or false teachers do when they teach false doctrine. And it's no surprise the devil does this since he is, after all, the chief heretic. Jesus counters the devil then properly by, by properly teaching scripture, by teaching correct doctrine. Jesus counters the devil and says, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus points out that of course God loves us and protects us from evil and has his angels watching over us. But as his creatures, we have no business testing him in this. We don't get to say to God, if you're real, God, if you really love me, then you'll let me do whatever I want to without me having to face any consequences for it. People challenge and test God like this all the time in our world today. They say, Surely no calamity will befall me if I live my life however I want to and never go to church and don't care what God has to say to me. Surely if God is loving, well then he'll still help me, even if I on my part totally ignore him and live recklessly and don't listen to his word. Note that that is the equivalent of a three-year-old saying to their parent, if you love me and if you're really my mom, then you'll let me put my hand on the burning stove. Yes, it's incredibly sad to see how the devil's lies so often infect people and damage them. And we too, with shame, must repent for the times in our lives when we've put God to the test too. But Jesus here in our place perfectly submits to God's way and God's will for us. As a man, Jesus does not attempt to bend God's will to his own Instead, he properly repels the devil's confusing lies 
with God's word. Jesus uses the word of God correctly and truthfully to counter the devil's heresy. And thanks be to Jesus for this, because we often do not know what to do or say. Jesus endures this temptation for us so that he can forgive us for all of the times when we've doubted God's word and not trusted his will like we should. Finally, the devil brings Jesus to a high mountain and offers Jesus everything. All the kingdoms of the world and their glory if he'll but compromise the truth and bow down and worship him instead of the true God. In this temptation, we see so clearly what the devil is really all about. The devil doesn't really care about earthly power or glory. He'd happily give it all away if it meant taking one person's soul. Here you go. Have the whole world on a silver platter, he says, but first sign the dotted line because nothing delights me more than to destroy you. You see, the devil hates God and us, his human creatures, so much that the devil will stop at nothing to destroy us. He delights in nothing more than ripping people away from God. And this should wake us up, dear Christian friends, for the devil has a target on your back and mine. He is doing all he can to wage a spiritual war against our souls. The devil is more than happy to throw you all kinds of money and power and earthly happiness if you'll but deny the true God and follow him. If only you'll throw off the shackles of religion, he says. Well, then you'll be free to really live and have it all, he says. It can all be yours. Now, of course, it is important for us to point out here that the devil really doesn't own any of this stuff that in, the, in the world that he's offering in the first place. Nothing in this world belongs to him. It belongs to God, right? But like the good con man that he is, the devil will offer you something that's not even his if it means he can take your soul. The devil knows no depth of depravity, my friends. And sadly, many people buy into his lies and don't uninvest from them until it's too late. But see, my friends, how Jesus throws the devil down and puts him back in his place. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6 and says, Go away, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil then left Jesus. He shuffled off, tail between his legs, knowing that he had been defeated. My friends, Jesus was tempted for you and for me. He did what we could never do perfectly. He fought off and repelled the devil's lies with the truth of God's word. And Jesus did this for us so that we would be forgiven for all the times when we've given in to the devil's temptations in our lives. No, we have not loved or trusted our loving Heavenly Father like we should. We have doubted him. We have personally offended him. We have wronged him with our sins. But Jesus has reconciled us to God. We are forgiven. Jesus suffered the penalty for all our sins on the cross so that our sin and guilt hangs over us no more. We are free and forgiven through Jesus. And we are once more God's beloved sons and daughters in faith. And Jesus gives us grace, the grace of his Holy Spirit, so that each day we learn to love and trust in him more, so that we are empowered 
by the Spirit's work in us to say no to the devil's temptations, to sin and every kind of evil. My friends, all that Adam and Eve and that you and I had lost on account of our sins, Jesus has restored to us by his temptation in the wilderness, by his perfect life lived for us in our place, by his suffering death and resurrection. And one day we will leave this desert wilderness of sin and cross over into the new Eden, the perfect paradise garden restored, and live there with our God forever, all through faith in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to Jesus, the one who overcame the devil for us. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.